Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to today's Talk Story podcast. I'm Mike Davis, your HAL Communications Committee Chair. Before we get to today's show, if you haven't had a chance yet, I'd like to invite you to go check out our most recent podcast episode in this Talk Story feed, where we debuted our brand new HAL Contract Explained series. This new campaign is a collaboration between the Negotiating and Communications Committees, where we explore one contract topic every month with our contract experts. Our goal is to help clarify some of the contractual jargon in our pilot's working agreement to give everyone a solid working understanding of the protections and benefits provided by our contract. Our first episode featured a conversation between our Secretary-Treasurer, Sean Lee, and Negotiating Committee member Ethan Pearson-Pomerantz, covering the subject of deadheads. This Contract Explained series also includes more than just the podcast. We're also rolling out infographics to accompany the podcast. We've got a Test Your Knowledge quiz series where you can win a chance at a Starbucks gift card, and we'll soon be debuting our Questions from the Line video series, where you can send in video questions to our contract experts, and we'll publish the answers on social media. Our new How Contract Explained website, which is listed in the show notes, will have easy access to all the new resources we've put together. Thanks so much to everyone for taking the time to stay engaged and informed, and if you have any questions or comments on this new series, please send them to howcommunications at alpa.org. Now, over to Sean Lee and today's episode of Talk Story. Aloha, welcome to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. I'm First Officer Sean Lee. We're here with uh, Director of Safety and Security, Bennett Walsh. How are you doing, Bennett? Good. Thanks for having me. This is a real great opportunity. I appreciate the chance to get out with the pilots again and discuss safety that's on everybody's mind. You're the first. I th- yeah, you are. You're the first member of management on the podcast. They're groundbreaking here, Bennett. Outstanding. <laughs> and we're joined today with uh, Central Air Safety Committee Chairman, Captain Scott Clark. How are you doing, Scott? Hey, Sean. Thanks for having us. Most of us at some point have thought about what we would do if we lost our medical, our first class medical. You know, what, what would we do? You know, we'd have to get another job, another career, another something, right? I mean, most of us have had those thoughts with ourselves. So Bennett here... Is, this is actually somebody that had to go through with that. He used to be one of us. He was a, a line pilot for Northwest and Delta. He was actually an ALPA representative for Northwest. I'm not sure at Delta, but he was at Northwest. Air safety volunteer. Yeah. Oh. A rep. So he was one of us, and he had a medical issue, and he could no longer fly. So he had to reinvent himself somewhere, somehow, and he reinvented himself in the safety world. So... He's one of us. He's here now working for management, though. But we think it's real important to have a good working relationship with him. And I've developed a good working relationship with him. So we thought it'd be a good idea for him to come down. Well, welcome, Bennett. What uh, what goes on up there in, in your world? <laughs> well, thanks for the opportunity. This is a real privilege um, to be able to talk to the pilots, all the pilots, because, um, number one, I, I miss it dearly. The best job on the planet is sit in the front of that jet. I started as a wrench on the 727 uh, back in the day. I was a regional pilot. Uh, my first commercial flying was in 1988, uh, Jetstream 31s. Oh, I flew Jetstream 31s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for uh, out of Memphis. Uh, and then, of course, Northwest, uh, which nobody thought they would hire us um, at the time because we were at the regional. Uh, the 727s, DC-9, 757s, the uh, 747. We merged with Delta. Um, and about uh, shortly after the merger is when I had a heart surgery that disqualified me from my medical. So one thing I always tell pilots when I speak to them is the Alpa loss of license is a great deal. Invest in it while you're young. Have that to uh, help yourself reconfigure. The other thing is uh, just flying the jets, the most fun. I love it. I miss it. But the opportunities you get to be a Czech airman, to be an instructor, uh, to work in air safety, all these kind of things, or be a volunteer as a gatekeeper, whatever, are expanding your uh, skills. Um, and when I lost the medical, I continued instructing in the simulators uh, part-time as a contractor at Delta in the 777 fleet up until I came here two years ago. Well, so in the 10 years in between, I worked in safety. Uh, run, uh, I ran a 135 out of uh, Van Nuys in Burbank. But our pilots are at the crux of safety. You guys are an apex of coordination amongst all of our divisions. And I couldn't think of a more important group to discuss this with. Um, And I respect your contribution to safety and your good common sense to manage risk. Um, Because ultimately, 
that's what we're doing. Safety is managing risk to as low as reasonably practical. And the decisions you make day in and day out as a captain or a first officer impact that not only on those uh, around you in the jet, but at the gate with the flight attendants, maintenance, others. So it's really important that we have a good connection between our ALPA pilots and Hawaiian safety. Um, in my experience uh, through Northwest, you know, I was an air safety volunteer, um, strike preparedness committee. Uh, we had an interesting situation in the late 90s, and we wound up on strike. So I was part That's of all that. That's when I was at Airlink, when you yeah. guys were on strike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the things that I learned there, because we had a very acrimonious relationship with our management, but the organization was really well done. And the unions, ALPA, all the other unions, we really worked together closely to run operations and safety uh, impeccably. So we had a great organization. Of course, later when we merged with Delta, you wound up with a, a, a better, friendlier uh, corporate culture. Those two things came together um, and made a good organization. But I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for what ALPA uh, can do and ALPA's air safety uh, capabilities as a partner. So everything we're doing at Hawaiian Airlines right now uh, views ALPA air safety as a critical partner. And I've got complete support from the leadership, from our accountable executive, Peter Ingram, from John Snook and, and Bob uh, Johnson with Flight Ops. So, you know, it, it takes a team. Um, and, and, and your input is critical as part of that team. Can I just ask, when you made the jump from the Northwest Delta world to Hawaiian, what stood out at, at the differences between the two safety cultures? Uh, we had rift in COVID quite a bit of the airline. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers the cutbacks, okay? So our department was down, okay? We also had had uh, a leadership uh, departure. So there was no leadership in corporate safety and security, uh, and half the department was rift. So we were just keeping the lights on. And that started uh, right as we were coming out of COVID, the, the, the spring and summer of That was 21. your entry? Right. The day I showed up was the, um, the last group of the leaders left. Yeah. And so, you know, we had to rebuild it all. Sure. Um, and I think that there was a recognition, I know there was a recognition, that we could do better. And that Hawaiians' corporate safety, security, and compliance had somewhat atrophied through the years and that there was a great interest in leadership to right size, get it back up on plane. We've got great support. Uh, I think over the last uh, 18 months to two years, um, you know, we've doubled in size. Uh, we've hired for our department and for the embeds and other departments, which I'll touch on our structure shortly, um, about 40 people. We've really grown it significantly. Um, we've also, more importantly, set a tone. So what I noticed when I came here from other uh, places is, you know, we're all like a family. Each airline has a family and a culture. They're all different. Some have strengths and weaknesses. And we have, from somewhere back in the past, kind of a blame culture. I noticed from leadership, hey, we need partnership. We need to, to foster a just culture. We need to foster a, a positive safety culture. And I, I noticed that as you get closer to the front, it sort of trickled down and kind of disappeared. And so um, what we're doing now is after a lot of focus groups that included pilots, after a lot of uh, feedback sessions over the last couple of years, we have a clear grasp that it is not that positive safety culture has not trickled out to the front. And we're actively pushing it now. The Safety Kuleana campaign is covering every single manager at Hawaiian Airlines, and every employee will get a, a, a CBT push as well, including pilots, on what that means, our, the safety, the, the safety kuleana, that using that Hawaiian word. Because, guys, we're tied to something special and unique here. When I look at my badge, it says Hawaiian Airlines. The places I came from before, they didn't say that. They said Delta, Northwest, whatever. They didn't say Georgia, mm -hmm. right? We're tied to a community is my point. We're tied to a culture. We have something more than a business culture here, and it's tangible and real. So I, when I talk to new hire pilot classes in docs and that sort of thing, I'm like, respect that. Obviously, you can tell by my accent I'm not from here. <laughs> but, you know, that's something that's so valuable because it plays in so well with the safety culture because it's something that we hold dear. And so our purpose and values, I think, are real. I've certainly drank the pog, 
And uh, I think that I'm trying to advocate that from the safety Kuliana point of view is that we're in this together. We have to be partners. And Scott and I, uh, we had a chat before you showed up about uh, the, the different silos of uh, safety Mindset. Yeah, the different silos that the pilots go through. And and I not until you mention that your job is a lot more global than I realize. Um, for the pilot safety program, we have so much more filters that we go through. But uh, can you explain that just a little bit? The, the safety culture is involved with the whole airline, even non-frontline workers. It goes sure. through every ramper, every flight attendant, can you just, how do you keep that train on track? It's such a wide net to cast. Yeah, um, it is. But um, if one of those critical components uh, stumps their toe, it affects us all, right, when it comes to mm-hmm. operational safety. So, you know, safety is reducing risk as low as reasonably practical. And I ask people, is safety job one? Well, our, our business is job one. We're an airline. Now, our risk registry sets a certain risk expectation. We're a 121 FAR-regulated carrier, so we know what our risk acceptance will be. Okay, so operating the business is job one. Reducing risk to as low as reasonably practical, that's what safety is. That's the job one of safety within the, 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 the realm of, of the risks that we can take. ETOPS, for example, flying long flights over the water, there's a lot of things that we just manage. That's risk that we have to manage. Mm-hmm. Now, every section, whether it be airport operations, in-flight, maintenance and engineering, cargo, dispatch, every one of those groups have a critical, critical role to fill to help us accomplish our goal of running a safe airline and, and, and a profitable business, right? If one of those things falls down, bad maintenance, bad support on the ramp, all these kind of things, mismanaged flights, you know what's going to happen. Right. Now, I've never seen an airline invest so much time and effort as we have lately. This is incredible and historic. Hawaiian basically has pulled off a merger with itself. So behind the scenes with the CAVOC effort for the new manuals, investment in PSS, investment in intellects, investment in, in growing these departments and right-sizing them, this is a tremendous change, and it's a good change. And we basically are merging the old Hawaiian with the new Hawaiian. But in those divisions, how do we keep it on track? So you've got um, each airline, I'm sorry, each division has its own embedded safety manager that's connected to us in corporate. Uh, we don't have the SMEs, and we don't uh, expect to, to, to tell flight operations or airport operations exactly how to do a particular process or procedure. You have a SME embedded in that department, and Hans is yours in flight operations, and Sarah, who is on uh, military leave right now. And every division has two. For our size and scope with 70 airplanes and, and 7,000 employees, we're set up about right with that embed. As we get bigger, you know, those things could change on how we have our, our divisional support. But there's an overall corporate structure. We set strategy. We collect all the data and information from all these different programs like, like FOQA and HSAP. That gives us risk centers, and we can give that information back to the division so they know where to focus their efforts and resources and their dollars. Um, and then we also have uh, regular incident reporting. So uh, it's a subculture of uh, safety culture is, is uh, reporting. That's an important part of it. Um, and so they spend these embeds, these safety managers and safety analysts, they spend a lot of their time taking your reports from the line on your, your uh, incident reports and then also on your HSAP reports. Every division has an incident capability and the safety manager uh, capability and they have other things that they do. The ASAP programs are unique, and flight has one, um, and uh, maintenance and engineering does. Um, dispatch has one. Um, the ground program is a non-ASAP program, but we are converting it to a regular ASAP program, and in-flight is coming on this fall with an ASAP program. The ASAP program, uh, by federal law, codifies a lot of the culture of justice that I've been talking about, in the structure of the program. It's been around for 25 years, and it's one of the best things the FAA has ever done. And so it's an engine behind our safety risk management and safety assurance processes. And so we want to see every division in it, and we're thrilled to have in-flight coming along and, and the conversion uh, with a new leadership and AO under Lokesh to get uh, uh, the ground program converted to a real ASAP program as well. 
We did brand them HSAP now because um, the different monikers that we had as a retail brand kind of fostered into this sense that, hey, I'm not treated as good as a pilot. I don't have a PSAP, right? So it's all Hawaiian Airlines Safety Action Program. That's why we call it HSAP now because we're bringing on the new ones. We're bringing on ground and we're bringing on in-flight. So what better time to turn on, hey, this is our culture of safety. This is our safety kuleana together. And that's why the brand went to HSAP versus the various monikers. It's funny because I thought we just changed that for ourselves. I thought, okay, PSAP's now HSAP. Yeah. <laughs> Can you extend, ex- expand a little bit on the Intellix uh, bit of the HSAP program? So we got a new method of which to file. And for many of our pilots, this is where the rubber hits the road for the safety yeah. management system is I had a issue on the line. I need to file a report. Walk me through the Intellix process. Yeah, and that's that's a good one because there has been some bugs, obviously. Um, so where Hawaiian was is we had a reporting system in WBAT. It's been around since we stood it up at Northwest back in the early 90s. That's an old program, right? And so uh, it, it was limited, and it only dealt with reporting. All of other divisions, all of other safety management functions were on spreadsheets and somebody's computer. Um, it was It was archaic. What Intellects does for us is, yes, it's a new reporting system, but it's much bigger than that. Okay, so for the frontline user, I have a new reporting system, and that's mostly uh, my engagement with Intellects. But there's also now a module we've never had before for our audits. There's another module for our observations and inspections. There's databases and workflows, et cetera. So we just basically went from a DC-10, where we were flying arrivals in vert speed, to an A330 or 787 with LNAV, VNAV, managed NAV, whatever, with an FMS. You know, when we look at any of our metrics, we are a fraction of whether it's reporting, whether it's engagement um, of the other carriers. And I think we have a special culture that gives us an advantage because we have a, a different type of team than what I saw in other organizations. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is get that across to pilots that it's very different now. Sometimes I get calls from the FAA, the ERCs uh, reps and others. Hey, there's a PD coming out, pilot deviation. Let the crew know to file an ASAP. So even the FAA is promoting. Oh, yeah, they'll let us know. And and this has gone on for years. When I was running that 135 in Van Nuys, I I had so many situations like that where the FAA were giving us a heads up. um, And corporate pilots were even less inclined to engage. Um, And then we have the chief pilots here, when something happens and you have to do your required incident report, there's an airplane in the mud, right? You're going to have some incident reports to file. You're going to go see the chief pilot. As soon as they get that information, they're turning to the pilots and saying, go file your HSAP. Okay, they want you to file the HSAP. It's in our best interest to protect you as a pilot to keep you on the line, right? It's in your best interest to keep you on the line and keep the FA off your back, and there's no interest in flight operations management on gunning for people. And, and we've talked about this before, but I want to ask Bennett, we, we, when we talk about confidentiality, um, there's a lot of hesitation uh, to file reports because it might throw someone under the bus or it might affect another work group. But the company, as far as I can tell, takes the confidentiality portion of the HSAP program very seriously. They're not even trying to find out who was doing what and when. They just want to know the why. That is absolutely true. I've been here for two years now, and, and I have not seen anything even come close. And to me, that's a fall-on-my-sword kind of event. It's so important because we could blow that trust in a heartbeat. And so I've seen the company on numerous occasions in some of the closed meetings. I meet with the council executive every week. I'm sorry, every every month on a formal meeting and several of the leaders here uh, I meet with them regularly on other other uh, situations. My, my day-to-day boss is the COO. I talk to these guys all the time. And when there's issues coming up, they totally understand the just culture on how that works in the, in the guidelines built into the ERC processes. I've never once been asked for any, inf- any information. They go out of their way to protect that and make sure the ERC gives permission or whatever we're, we're needing to do um, and make sure that the uh, uh, prescriptions are appropriate. So... The guidelines are really guarded, and I would fire an ERC member in a heartbeat if they violated it. So I'm here to tell you um, I wouldn't be sitting here in this job if I didn't have full confidence in our our ERCs. Now, the information is not secret. We're going to use it 
mm-hmm. and and we haven't done a good job, good enough job of using the information in the years past, and we're getting better about reporting information back to you. But it does give you immunity and protection, even if the organization knows who did it or what happened. It was a jet in the mud out there. It's never talked about that name in any of the deliberations, and it's all about root cause. Because if we stop at the person, their symptom is still out there of sure. the disease. Somebody else is going to have that problem. And we have not done our job. The FA on our ERCs and, and, and my training to my ERC reps is human error is not root cause. You, you haven't even scratched the surface if that's where you're at. Sure. It's much deeper. There's much more to get into, and we need to observe the system. 99% of the time, it's the system or the organization where we have something that we can do better. And the person that's in it is just part of that process. The incident reporting, when you look at your intellects app and you see a little spilt milk, that's for the things that have to happen right now. There's a crack in the concrete, something you're not so concerned about, your certificate and your wallet. Get those things filed. we got Johnny on the spot with Hans and Sarah. They're going to take care of it. Um, and then if you have something that might touch your certificate or something that nobody knows about and you might want some sensitivity around it, that's when you would file an HSAP. I see. I see. And and you could actually fire all those at once or none at all and uh, in the same sit down. You can file yeah. the uh, a chief pilot or pilot report of incident you can. and an HSAP. If and you a- copy and paste, there has that option in the HSAP side. Uh, but be advised, of course, your name and the de- description uh, and the date does go to the, to the flight op. So uh, uh, um, safety manager. So if you have a sensitivity to some kind of, immunity or issue about your certificate, that's when you wouldn't check that box. Sure. You would just file HSAP. And then you can also uh, submit it to the NASA uh, safety reporting system as well. In yeah, the there's a, a box to check. Always check that box. We want to share the data. And in the old days when we started flying, that was all there was before ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, so if you get excluded from an HSAP, and the only thing that would exclude you if you're doing something illegal, so 99% of the time you show up to work, you're doing the right thing, that's part of our safety culture. It's built into our safety policy letter that our uh, CEO signed. It's part of the MOUs, et cetera. But every now and then there's outliers, right? And there's something illegal, drugs, alcohol, things like that will kick you out. Uh, if you get protection from NASA, it's still in your blue ribbon. It's in your pilot Priya and all that. ASAPs are not. Um, so there's so many advantages. Again, it's, it's malpractice to not use ASAP. But we also do want to share the data with, Nat, with, with uh, NASA, and if you feel like you need that backup, check the box. Okay. So, uh, Ben, you mentioned Hans, and I just want to clarify to a lot of people, including myself, because we get emails from you or somebody from your department, and we get emails from Hans, which is safety, right? So the way I understand it, Hans is flight ops safety who reports to the flight ops side, which is Bob Johnson. But he's keenly intertwined with your department, your safety department, but he doesn't report to you. So right. I'm, I think a lot of us are kind of confused on that relationship between flight ops safety, Hans and Sarah, and then Bennett Walsh safety. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the way it works is because of our size and scope, we can't have a deep back bench like uh, an American or a Delta, right? So, you know, for our size and scope, we have what we call these embedded safety managers. Now, they actually report to the division. So Hans reports to Bob Johnson, right? Uh, Adrian reports to Lakesh. Nikki reports to Robin Sparling. Okay, now they're, they're a, a in the division, but they have a dashed line over to us. The point is um, we standardize their training. We're responsible for the SMS content, and we standardize the uh, job descriptions, and we reserve a portion of their, um, uh, of their uh, hours and time, and, and we direct that. So they get assignments from us, and they get training from us, reporting systems from us, et cetera, uh, but they're in the division because we need a SME there, right? I need somebody, and, and Bob needs somebody. The pilots deserve somebody that knows aviation, right? All right, well, when we come back, we'll talk about the FOCOC crosstalk LOA, and we'll dig into a little uh, security issues. Uh, I'm here with Bennett Walsh and uh, Captain Scott Clark. This is Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. We'll come back with an update with uh, Chairman Captain Larry Payne in a little bit. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Talk Story. I'm First Officer Sean Lee, joined here with our MEC Chairman, Captain Larry Payne. How you doing, Larry? Good, Sean Lee. How are you? Oh, not so bad. It's uh, been a busy few months for the MEC, hasn't it? What's uh, been going on in our world? It's been a crazy few months, buddy, but it seems like it's been a crazy few years. In uh, June, uh, uh, May and June, we wrapped up a couple of uh, trips. We had uh, IF Alpha conference in Montreal that Matthias and I attended, uh, and we're getting a better um, showing at that uh, from our Hawaiian Airlines uh, Alpha side, which is great. Had a few days off and turned around, went right back to Washington, D.C. for executive board, where we uh, officially voted to merge the Air Canada pilots uh, with Alpa, which was a huge deal uh, at that executive board. Uh, turned around and came home and uh, went right out to Honolulu for uh, a jam-packed uh, MEC meeting agenda. I just got back from D.C. myself, and uh, we met with several other properties and uh, went over to Alpa's strategic plan. And it was actually a, quite a nice couple days uh, talking with other properties. And uh, Hawaiian, as always, is getting our, fo- our feet wet with uh, Alpa National business. Uh, some busy summer travel season, though, I'll tell you that. I was in the jump seat three out of four legs getting to and from D.C., and we- we've got an uptick in-, in past travel issues, haven't we? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think there's a couple of things going on there. I think, one, we're growing. So anytime you grow, obviously, you know, the issues uh, grow uh, with that. Uh, second, there's no question that the rollout of the new Amadeus system was clunky to begin with, um, and it's still clunky. Uh, we're definitely seeing an uptick in past travel issues. We've got pilots being written up. Agents are writing up pilots. Um, flight attendants are writing up pilots at, at a rate that we haven't seen in a long time. We have a process for this in place. We have a really good process for this in place. We have great volunteers. Uh, on this front, on our grievance side, our past travel committee uh, is, it has grown with John Crabby, Beth Lenars in there. Uh, they're doing great work. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Beth. She's doubled down and doing a ton of good work right now uh, on that side. And just let the process unfold. You know, take good notes if something happens. We, we've had a an increase in past travel alleged past travel violations that result in either investigatory or disciplinary hearings. It pays off to keep your cool and document the issue. Um, remember, if you're commuting to and from work, you have the commuter clause in your back pocket, so that requires you to uh, attempt two uh, offline jump seats or one uh, if it's operated by Hawaiian Airlines. And the important thing with the commuter clause is you call scheduling early. So if you don't make a flight, you call scheduling, they take you off the trip. It's it's fairly straightforward. All in all, it's been kind of a hectic summer with the Amadeus rollout and uh, past travel issues, full flights. You can't even get anyone on a buddy pass anywhere. It's, I've, I've turned down friends asking for buddy passes because it's it's damn near impossible to get somewhere uh, as a pass traveler it seems yeah you know i personally i quit using them a decade ago i it just seemed like they weren't it was a lot more grief than it was worth in the end for sure. folks if i can go back quickly with the past travel issues we're having we are aware of all the issues with the past travel stuff going on the mec and alpa is working diligently behind the scenes to get these issues solved and we will get them solved well, it's, is it going to happen overnight? No. It, it, has anything happened here overnight? No. But it will get solved, and we will continue to work on it until it does get solved. So I don't want people to think that we're we're ignorant to the fact that, that these issues are going on. We are aware of them. They do come to us via DART, via written complaint, via SCR, via everything, and, and we do see them. So we are tracking those, we are collecting the data, and we are dealing with it behind the scenes. Uh, it that goes for a deadhead too. Uh, if you have an issue uh, on a deadhead, uh, you can report it simply by just filing a dart or sending in a SCR or CCR. Uh, any minor issue is a reportable issue for us because that allows us to collect and aggregate all these uh, problems that we have. And when we go upstairs to Koapaka, we have a big fat file of pilot issues that we can put on a desk and say, okay, let's work together to fix it. And we need the data, just like you yeah. said. The we need that data. 
So file it all. Uh, yesterday we had uh, Ted Hebert, the scheduling committee chair, teach a class on uh, scheduling. And actually it was quite impressive. We had uh, about 11 or 12, a, a dozen pilots, mostly new hires, uh, in the HAL MEC office learning everything A to Z about scheduling, from the contract to how to uh, PBS bid. That That's quite impressive. And uh, I was really happy to see the engagement, not only of our volunteers, but our our new hires, uh, as they come out onto the line, they, they're learning the contract before they even fly the plane. You know, I can't say enough good things about our volunteers, to go back to that, uh, that have stepped up and are growing our committees. And we're able to do work now, like these scheduling classes, that we haven't been able to do for a long time. Due to manpower, due to time constraints, work schedules, whatever. Uh, it's great to see these committees growing and these chairmen uh, digging in and getting stuff like this done because it can only help. And I remember years ago uh, when I was on the scheduling committee, we did some classes like this that were operated in, in uh, conjunction with the company. And everybody that did it then uh, liked it and enjoyed it. So great to see these things going again. And uh, good job, Ted. It's amazing. Nice I, I, you know, I'm like number 10 on the 321 FO seat, and I still – like screw up my bid. So it was nice to get the help. I needed to not screw up my bid over and over again. But that was Ted Hebert and Travis Kilcommons, the two scheduling uh, committee, two of the scheduling committee members in here yesterday. We have a Amazon plane on the uh, hard stand now, Larry. Uh, tell us about that and tell us what our cargo committee is doing to prepare for the September debut of the cargo flying. Yep. First uh, airplane uh, came last Saturday, I believe it arrived in Honolulu. They did a couple of functional flights on it and the operating certificate was turned over to Hawaiian. So Hawaiian is the official operator of that first aircraft. Um, I have not been in it yet, but I've heard from folks who have, who say it's uh, like a new car. It has that new car smell. Uh, there are some issues on that aircraft that they're working through some small issues that they got to, get ironed out before it goes off for uh, flying out of Cincinnati. But um, yeah, George Chikuti, our cargo committee chair, who stepped up and is all things cargo. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't say enough good things about George. Uh, this is a guy who came from a cargo background before he was at Hawaiian Airlines. He's dug in on this uh, and is literally doing great work. I think he's taken at least two trips out to Cincinnati. He's been to San Bernardino. He's looking at hotels. He's he's looking at everything so that this transition to Amazon flying for the pilot of Hawaiian Airlines is as painless as possible because we are venturing into a, a, an area that we haven't done in a long, long time. I mean, Hawaiian had did cargo flying years ago uh, out of uh, Macon, Georgia, but they haven't done it a long time. And, and nothing we did back then would benefit us now. Uh, although Doug would probably tell you otherwise. But, um, yeah, it, it's great to see George digging in and getting this stuff done for the pilots. It's right around the corner. I mean, the first aircraft, I think, is supposed to start operating beginning of October. So there's a lot of work to do between now and then. Uh, you know, they're working on schedules right now, groupings, uh, hotels. Um, you know, there's some new provisions in the in the new PWA for the cargo pilots as far as, uh, you know, travel and hotel that I know Doug and his guys are working on. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done, but, uh, thankfully knock on wood, uh, we're moving forward with it. Uh, so that's good. We could always use more volunteers though. Uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, Larry, as we grow, our committee structures grow with it, but, uh, we, we, we always could use more hands. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've, put that plug out numerous times for folks uh, to come and help us out. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, the scheduling committee is an example of that. The training committee is another good example of that. I mean, I was in the office the other day, they had a training committee meeting. I walked in the training committee meeting and there was like 10 people sitting around the table. I mean, I can't remember the last time we had 10 people on a training committee. It's just great to see these people, uh, stepping up, wanting to help out and do stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I've talked to a couple, a uh, few people in the last month or two who have volunteered that we've placed on scheduling committee with Ted, training committee with Sean, uh, a couple other committees, but we can always use more. You know, we're growing at a rate that we haven't seen in a long time. 
And with that growth, uh, as I said earlier, too, comes a lot more work, uh, a lot more issues, and we need the manpower to, to, to deal with those issues and that work. Work continues. Keep doing it. Good thanks to the pilots for their professionalism. You know, I know you've read Peter Ingram's memos. Uh, it's been a bit of a rough patch with Hawaiian of late with maintenance issues going on. You saw Jim Lander's memo. Uh, I know the pilots stepped up, continued to be professional through that while we worked through the, the issues that were going on uh, with the airline. And I just want to continue to thank them for being professional and, and carrying themselves the right way while we, the company works through these issues. And and I think there's light at the end of this tunnel and uh, hopefully uh, smoother skies ahead. Well, thanks, Larry. That's Larry Payne, the chairman of the Hawaiian Airlines Master Executive Council. When we come back, we'll be uh, joined again by Bennett Walsh and Scott Clark as we talk more safety and security here at Hawaiian Airlines. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Doug, Jump Seat Chair. Want to remind everybody to make that walk. Pre-flight your jump seat, please. Walk to the gate before departure. Make sure there's no jump seats. If there are jump seats that are trying to get on the flight and the gate agent is having issues or unable to accommodate or doesn't have a form, doesn't matter the reason, do not leave that jump seat behind. If you have any issues, you can call your duty officer, call the chief pilot, call me. Don't leave the jump seat behind. We're leaving a lot of jump seaters behind, and it's putting our jump seat agreements in jeopardy. We all need to step it up, make the walk, and make sure we don't leave guys behind. If you do have any issues, if there's no forms at the gate, if the agent isn't able to cast the, the jump seater, if they're sending them back to the counter after they've checked in to grab a form, please send us a dart. Don't just uh, let it go. We need... We need to track this. The best way to track these it, these situations is to send us a dart. Uh, thanks for your help. Welcome back to Talk Safety. We're here with Managing Director of Safety and Security, Bennett Walls. Managing Director, he corrected me in the... Uh, in the break. No, thanks a lot. <laughs> My bad. Um, it doesn't mean much. We heard from Larry Payne. Uh, Scott, what's going on in the Century Safety Committee? Uh, well, there's a lot going on in the company that has got, you know, Alpha working directly with the, with the company. You know, we got OEM, which is uh, just getting kicked off with the 321. So we're paying attention to that. We got Amazon. First plane is here, as we know. So we're paying attention to cargo um, and all the training that is starting to happen because of that the 7-8 is going to be here shortly and the training and everything associated with bringing a new airplane online is all that is happening and it's all happening right at the same time so and i mean training associated with upgrades but a ton of new hires we have a ton of of new new, uh, folks on the property yep so we're trying to keep them informed of everything that's going on all the changes with uh with uh the safety culture that Bennett was talking about with training, you know, with, with the upward mobility, the speed that is happening right now, it's unprecedented. You know, we've got six month, eight month inner Island captains happening right now. Really? You know, unbelievable. Oh, wow. Fast. wow. Uh, let's get into uh, something the MEC agreed to in our last meeting, uh, just to, just last month, actually in June is what's known as the Focor Crosstalk LOA. Can you tee it up a little bit, Scott, and tell us what that's about? So we have Focor, as everybody knows, that's data coming from the airplane that is able to be downloaded by the uh, Focor gatekeeper and um, the managing director that falls under Bennett. And we have a Focor meeting, and we can analyze the data strictly for safety. And we have meetings, and we can analyze right down to the specifics of an airplane, you know, where you had your flap set on landing. I mean, it can get down right to the nitty gritty. The crosstalk aspect of this deals with the ERC that we talked about earlier. And I'll let Bennett go into this a little bit more, but it allows the ERC, if there's a specific event that a pilot or a crew had submitted an HSAP on, if they need some more details, some more information, this allows the ERC to go to the Foqua gatekeeper and ask them if they can provide some data to help bring more clarity to the situation so the ERC can better understand what happened and then develop recommendations based on 
So let's, let's back that up. You file an ASAP on a flight. It goes to the ERC, the Event Review Committee. Correct. Consisting of one company, one ALPA, one FAA. Correct. Uh, but if they want a, a, a bigger picture of what happened, they can now go to FOQA. If they have questions query the that FOQA they data. think FOQA could help clarify. Mm-hmm. But previous to this agreement, it wasn't allowed to FOQA state well, it FOQA had to. Well, it had to be approved by the MEC chairman. I see. So I see. Larry Payne had to be briefed on why they want to do it, and it was called a one-off, and, and the MEC had to approve it. This gives the ERC the ability to just go straight to the uh, FOQA gatekeeper. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, Bennett. Uh, the importance of... Uh, Everybody talking with each other and, and the, the, the detail that having this crosstalk LOA provides to uh, our people reviewing HSAP reports. Oh, it's huge. And um, I'm so grateful we have it. Many of our peers, uh, other airlines do this. And, you know, if you think of FOQA as the what happened and the HSAP as the why it happened. Um, and there have been incidents in the past that Scott mentioned that we've gotten MEC approval to bring those two together. So now you have a very difficult, challenging, unique uh, scenario, and having all that information, it gives you better root cause. So one of the things that's critical when you're doing any kind of safety work is your investigation of root cause has to be solid. Because if you make a recommendation or a change based on incomplete information, it's not going to be effective. Um, And so we've invested heavily uh, our corporate safety strategy to build a best-in-class, that is our corporate safety strategy, by the way, I haven't mentioned it, to build a best-in-class safety culture at Hawaiian. Um, there's a lot of technical subpoints to that. There's cultural subpoints to that. One of the big ones is FOQA. And so not only have we uh, been excited about this LOA, we've also uh, hired in an expert uh, FOQA manager from FedEx. We also have reviewed all of our um, uh, uh, programs and the type of animations we want to produce because you guys need much more. We need to produce much more for your training environment to get back to AQP, to get back to your check airmen, to get back to the briefings, et cetera. So there's a lot of information from FOQA that will be helpful. Again, these things aren't secret. They're confidential. We'll never reveal a source, but the ones that are interesting, you guys can see it and learn from it. Our FOQA guru, Luke Hofager came in and actually presented, uh, a couple of products available to visualize flights after post flight. And I, I thought it was, it was really cool. You could actually relive the approach. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see what what's come along. Well, we're, we're, we're certainly heading that direction. It might take us a while to get it uh, deployed. Um, there's a lot of approvals to go through, but that type of debriefing tool, that's amazing. You know, and you can even take that further and, and do things like that in a simulator someday. Sure. Yeah. So the technology, uh, it's just a matter of, of the time and, and financing as we evolve that and, and make it a, a better tool for the pilots to use. So in addition, as your role as uh, uh, safety, uh, you have a, a big security hat to put on as well. Can we uh, touch on that a little bit? Sure. Um, security is a big part of what we do. Um, a, a third of our department is on the security staff. Um, the way we're set up here, which is typical for most modern airlines, and it's a kind of a requirement actually from um, IOSA and um, other entities that oversee us, is that we have a safety management system, an SMS, and then we have a security management system, an SEMS. And they function the same way. Uh, a risk or a vulnerability is run through uh, a risk management process and is followed up with safety assurance. Um And so we've integrated those two systems together. So if you have a a safety uh, risk or you have a security vulnerability, you can report them the same way through Intellects. And that information will go back to the uh, corporate security department. We also have a, a security support desk where we have ability to reach out to someone. We have a hotline, a bat line, a bat phone, if you will, so that we can get someone to give you the information right now, right here with what you're dealing with. Typically, there's a large interface uh, with our airport side. A lot of agents, gate folks, ticket counters. You can imagine there's a lot of things going on there, whether it be with the flying public or various entities like the the CBP or uh, FAA or various uh, authorities needing things, and we help them with it. Pilot's not as frequent, um, but it's available for you. 
I got to say, I think the only the only touch point with security I've had is either credentialing or uh, the right. new hire experience when people do the background checks and, right. and whatnot. But it's not really a, a big touch point for the pilots. Although we have issues such as uh, layover security, yeah. hotels uh, is a is a big issue uh, lately. Can we talk about that? Right. Yeah. It, we we do have. It did get reports and feedback of a, a security issue there in the on the LAX hotel. That Century Boulevard area has deteriorated over the the recent past, um, and so the incident and there were several actually uh, that happened. I think there was at least two. At least. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, like three, two or, or three. Yeah, yeah, and and the company didn't want to take a chance with that. So obviously, security, uh, Alpha security. Corporate security, everybody's like, yeah, let's fix this. Um, and corporate uh, uh, HA is looking into moving the hotel. I, I've just sent for an update here on with the status of that. But mm-hmm. the, um, the hotel location, because the Century Boulevard area has changed from what it used to be, um, unfortunately, we got to get somewhere that's safer. And it should be said that, yeah, if you're in any kind of situation, um, keep your crews together. You, you have the corporate number to call you also have the alpa uh yellow card the orange card to call um get help call somebody and within minutes i think our structures between the two of us at alpa and and the company will get eyes on you right away uh it's something kind of scary to think about but it does happen i mean we there's an event maybe once or twice a year that affects crews and it's important for our crews to stay together and, and work through the problem like you do anything on the line and communicate. So Bennett, what's happening on the uh, front lines of uh, Hawaiian Airlines? I know we just dug out of a kind of a, a weird, busy summer uh, with eight left being uh, closed. But uh, tell us what's going on the on the line at uh, at the airports around here. There's quite a bit going on actually. Um, and, and when I when I get out, uh, to me, it's really important to affect the culture by meeting people. Um, I'll go to briefings with with ramp chiefs. I'll gate agents, um, pilot new hire courses, et cetera, et cetera. And when I've, I've talked to the pilots on the line, everybody's focused on the risks that they've seen on the ramps on the ramp. And in particular, uh, the concern around the changes that Hawaiian made around line service to, to ramp service, the training and the new people that had to fill those roles. That seems to be the concern I hear from the pilot. So we have pulled back many layers of the onion on corporate safety to help and work with our partners in AO safety to get to the bottom of some of these risk centers. So when you train a new workforce like that, um, just like we have a lot of new pilots right now, um, you have OE training, a syllabus you got to go through, right? And so the syllabus that was used for the new people, like for some example, the person pushing you, uh, is two weeks it's longer, I think they had a few days before at line service. Um, the other thing to keep in mind when we're doing training out there is, is the white shirt. So, you know, you, your, your, your uh, ramp personnel have that, that light blue shirt, and then there's the, um, the line service that had a white sh- shirt, but it, with the built-in jersey, right, with the uh-huh. stripes. When you see someone out there that's brand new, they're going to wear a white T-shirt underneath the, the normal um, hazard jacket, and that's for two weeks, so when you see somebody out there doing that on the ramp, they're in training and they're a new person. Just a plain white T-shirt and a, a safety vest. They're they're on OE. Okay. So somewhere nearby, you're going to see the trainer with them, just for your awareness. Sure. They're not allowed to do anything like wave you in if they're not trained. Right. Okay. But they're still in training. So that's an awareness item that's helpful. You'll also see soon because we know the ramp chiefs are key to mitigating risks on the ramp. Uh, there's new jerseys coming for them where it, it clearly identifies them as a ramp chief. On it'll, their will say chief, yes. Okay. And there's a new class coming. There's a huge focus item from AO Safety, from Nukesh, the vice president there, from uh, John Snook even commissioning them with their jerseys, et cetera. There's a lot of things that we're doing there as a company uh, to empower them as leaders, like your frontline uh, person to make decisions to mitigate risk. Well, I just want to wrap it up with a um, a question to both of you. What advice would you give a new hire? Let's say this new hire is going to start uh, IOE tomorrow and brand new to the company. What would you say to them? Love it. Enjoy it. It's a great ride. What an opportunity right now to come into the flight deck um, and take care of yourself. <clears throat> you know, there's um, old guys like me, mergers, bankruptcies, uh, good economies, bad economies, contractions, expansions. This is the airline industry. So keep in the forefront of your mind 
that the only constant will be change. Right now we're in a great change. And um, also the extremes. You know, I, as flying the line, we always had guys that were and gals that, you know, were discontent. We always had guys and gals that it was, it was Santa Claus and the world's perfect and how dare you question, blah, blah, blah. The truth is in the middle. So keep that perspective, right? You're part of the solution. So, um, you know, get involved and do something about it if you're not happy. And then also take care of yourself. Because unlike a doctor or a lawyer or others, professionals, if we have a medical incident, we could, they can keep working. But us, if we don't have that white piece of paper in our wallet, we can't fly and exercise the privileges of our airman certificate, like myself. I had a new aorta. And so, um, you know, getting the rest, uh, find the, the flying that works for your physiology that keeps you healthy and happy, um, and, and enjoy the time off, enjoy the great job, uh, and, and don't stress. You know, you got to stay healthy because we're all going to get older. We don't admit it. Uh, and, and it gets more and more challenging to, to, to maintain the privileges of your airman certificate. Uh, you'll notice your classes tend to dwindle, your classmates, as you get older. And you want to make it all the way to retirement. So take care of yourself. And that means the mental health and the stress of the job. You need to manage that and take it serious. Bennett, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in hold of you? Uh, I, I love to hear from pilots. You know, you can reach out bennett.walsh at hawaiianair.com. The Bennett's got one T. My parents had to be unique. But, um, yeah, I feel free at any time. And my office, uh, I'm on the third floor. I'm just up inside the door there, the back door, as you come up from the Alpa offices up the elevator. All right, thanks, Bennett. Scott, advice for new hires? Advice for new hires. Well, enjoy it while you can. You know, we're operating under a, a brand-new contract. That's uh, better than what I thought I would ever see in my flying career. So, Enjoy it while, like like what Bennett said, there's ups and downs. Right now we're in an up, and inevitably there will be a down. So enjoy it while you can because we operated, like Bennett said, under mergers, bankruptcies, um, contract uh, um, talk that allowed for pay reductions. I mean, all kinds of stuff throughout our career. So right now it's great. Enjoy it. Be happy, but plan for the future as well when things aren't so good. Best way to get in touch with you, Scott? Um, my uh, email is probably best because I'm on and off my cell phone all the time, and that's uh, scott.clark at alpa.org. Scott Clark at alpa.org. Uh, Managing Director Bennett Walsh of uh, Security and Safety, as well as Central Air Safety Chairman uh, Captain uh, Scott Clark. I'm First Officer Sean Lee. We'll see you in a month. If you have any questions, you can email us at howcommunications at alpa.org or send in a dart. We'll see you in a while. Aloha. 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 Aloha.